Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerning Hearts presents Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This podcast is an audio taken from a Discerning Hearts seminar conducted by Father Gallagher on Discerning the Will of God. Handouts alluded to by Father Gallagher can be found in the post connected to this episode at discerninghearts.com. The video instruction can be found in the same post as well or on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. We now begin Conference 8 of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. So welcome back, and let's uh, pick right up with where we were last time. And let's move to the fourth of these six points in third mode discernment. So Ignatius says, and this is where, um, with the preparation, the choice, the relevant data is there. Our hearts have the disposition, whatever you want, Lord. We've prayed and asked the Lord's help as we do this. And now in a tranquil time when we can use our natural powers freely uh, and peacefully, this is the time now. Maybe I'm before the Blessed Sacrament or in any place at home that's quiet. And maybe the four columns are open before me. Now I begin to look at the advantages and disadvantages for God's greater glory of the one option and the other. And Ignatius describes it as follows. The fourth, to consider by way of reasoning how many advantages or benefits accrue to me if I have the office benefits proposed. So for Brian, that would be optometry or finance. And this is always the motivation solely for the praise of God, our Lord, and the salvation of my soul. So as you see, the principle, the, the foundation, um, if I'm saying principle and foundation, because that's the full title as Ignatius gives it, this is the principle from which everything else flows as a consequence, and it is the foundation, that's the metaphor there, on which everything else is built in discernment. Uh, that thread runs through everything for Ignatius. It's so familiar to him. Solely for the praise of God our Lord and the salvation of my soul. And on the contrary, now we look at the other option, the disadvantages of this first option, to consider in the same way the disadvantages and dangers for God's greater glory that there would be in having it. Then we look at the other option. Then to do the same in the second part, that is to look at the advantages and benefits in not having it, and in the same way, the disadvantages and dangers in not having it. So, advantages and disadvantages for God's greater glory of the one option and the other. And then we reach the point which Ignatius reaches in his discernment when he clearly sees the preponderance of reasons for God's greater glory suggests the radical poverty. And I'm summarizing this uh, as the, um, the choice in a different sense than the way I used it in the first of these elements. This is now when the person sees where the preponderance lies. So, After the fifth, after I have thought and reasoned in this way about every aspect of the matter before me, I will look to which alternative reason inclines more, where it sees a preponderance for God's greater glory. And in this way, according to the greater movement of reason and not through any sensual inclination. Now, what Ignatius means by that is, let's say, for example, that Brian also finds himself thinking as he considers this, that. If I move out of finance and into medicine, 
I'll finally get more respect from my in-laws in a way I've never had it before. Um, people will look up to me more than they do now. Um, I'll kind of rise in their esteem and so forth. His discernment cannot be based on such things. It needs to be based on advantages and disadvantages for God's greater glory. And that's what Ignatius means by reason and not by sensual inclination of this kind. And so through this uh, greater movement of reason, I should come to a decision in the matter under uh, deliberation. Okay, I'm just pausing a little there because when I tried to give the example now of the uh, sensual inclinations, it may be in some settings, some of those things that I've mentioned might actually be for God's greater glory. But what Ignatius wants us to avoid is something that is simply for um, putting oneself forward, uh, dominating over others, having more power in some way and so forth that is not linked with God's greater glory. And then finally, now that the choice is made, we bring it to God in prayer, seeking his confirmation. Having made this choice or decision, the person who has made it should, with much diligence, turn to prayer. So again, this is suffused with prayer, the whole of this. This is not a technique. This is a prayer with various steps, but it is prayerful. Turn to prayer before God our Lord and offer him this choice so that his divine majesty may be pleased to receive and confirm it if it is for his greater service and praise. So that what Ignatius does after determining uh, as best he can see that the preponderance of reasons suggests the radical poverty is God's will in this discernment is he brings this before the Lord in prayer, asking the Lord to confirm it. And the Lord can do this in various ways. Maybe a deep sense of peace about this, a deep sense that the process has been well done and is concluded. Uh, maybe uh, an out and further outpouring of spiritual consolation around this, maybe seeing new strength in the, in the preponderance of reasons or even new reasons and so forth. God can do this in many ways. And as I've been saying throughout, wisdom suggests communication with a wise spiritual guide for any discernment of significance. Okay, so these are the, the six steps. That's, this is the outline of how one would proceed if one is approaching third mode discernment according to the four columns. So as we've been doing, let's turn to an example. And this is Patrick and a discernment that he makes about prison ministry in his diocese. So he says, when I was downsized by my company, I began my own business. About the same time, I had begun to get involved as a volunteer in prison ministry, and this ministry was very rewarding. Um, Patrick was probably, when we had the interview, a person, oh, maybe in his early 60s, maybe mid-60s, possibly. After a time, the person who ran prison ministry for the diocese had to move, and I was offered the position. It was a full-time position. I said no. I didn't want a full-time job with prison ministry. I wanted just to stay. I just wanted to stay as a volunteer. So a choice has uh, emerged for Patrick. Shall I stay in my existing situation with my part-time business that I've um, founded and um, otherwise live my life with the family as I've been doing and volunteering for prison ministry? Or would I move out of that program of life and accept the full-time position 
in the uh, leading up prison ministry for the entire diocese? Well, his first response is, no, I don't want to do that. A few days passed and I was unsettled, not sure about this, still fighting the new position. But this is a man who loves the Lord. He wants to do what God wants. And now he approaches this doing everything right in discernment. I sought a spiritual director and told him that I've prayed, but I've never discerned. So uh, Patrick is aware that he's facing a discernment, a choice, wants to do God's will, and that he personally is not equipped to know how to proceed in this. And so he does the best thing he could possibly do. He approaches somebody who is competent, uh, a spiritual director, and asks, will this person, will you guide me and accompany me through this process of discernment? So this is something to consider. Maybe you've looked for a spiritual director and thus far have found it difficult to find, but right now you're in a time of important discernment. Would it be possible to find someone who could accompany you during this time? Maybe it's a few weeks, it's a couple months, whatever it might be of discernment. He, the director, suggested that I spend an hour a day in prayer, which is perfect. Remember the means that we went through and gave me scriptures for the prayer. So each day I went to the Adoration Chapel in the parish and prayed with the scripture. So the means are all here now. Spiritual direction, the Eucharist, um, prayer with scripture, and or else, as we're going to see, also review of his experience. But so he's doing this now. He's going uh, daily to spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament praying with the scriptures given by the director, but I didn't get any clarity yet. So what is evident is that as Patrick goes through the days, and maybe he's a week or two into this process, the Lord has given neither first mode nor second mode clarity. And so, as we would expect, the director advises Patrick to turn to third mode discernment. Then he suggested looking at the advantages and disadvantages of taking the position and not taking it. I did that. So let's just imagine uh, Patrick during his holy hour sitting before the Blessed Sacrament in the Adoration Chapel with his notebook. First, I looked at the advantages of taking the position. There were a number of them. I knew that minute the ministry well from my experience. So uh, if he is going to head up prison ministry in the diocese, he begins with a very solid advantage for God's greater glory in that he's very familiar with this ministry. He knows it firsthand. I had the administrative skills from my career. So if he's being asked to administrate prison ministry for the entirety of the diocese, he also has the requisite skills from a long career in business and in management. This is another reason that would suggest that God's greater glory would be served by his taking the position. Thirdly, I had a good background in theology that would help in directing the ministry in the diocese. Uh, In point of fact, Patrick had gone back to school and gotten a master's in theology so that he is theologically very well equipped to take this position and exercise it well. I also knew that if I took the position, I would be giving more of myself to the Lord, another advantage for God's greater glory. Uh, He'll be giving more of himself um, than in his existing situation. Now he looks at the disadvantages of taking the position for the diocese. The disadvantages would be that I would lose time for myself, time for the gym, for my grandkids, really time to be lazy, 
and not have to push myself. Well, I don't think we can say he's making a very good case for the disadvantages of taking the position. And see, this is what often happens when you undertake third mode discernment like this and in a tranquil time, calmly and peacefully and wrapped in prayer as we've seen in the preceding steps of this uh, way of discerning. Oftentimes what will happen is what seems very confused will begin to clarify. I've had this experience many times over the years of how a third mode discernment will give you a kind of clarity as you begin to see the different factors and in their relationship with each other. And you see where where God seems to be leading in the situation. And this is happening in a a very uh, effective way for Patrick as he undergoes this third mode discernment. When I thought about not taking the position, so this would be the other page, advantages and disadvantages, all of this reversed. I went through this exercise, but also continued with the Blessed Sacrament and Scripture. So maybe he dedicates two or three days to doing this before the Blessed Sacrament, but he doesn't interrupt the the hour with Scripture. He continues to do that as the days are going by. The whole process took about three weeks. That didn't matter to me. I wanted to do it well. Patrick is not concerned to have this concluded in two days or three days. It takes him three weeks, and he's fine with that. What matters to him wisely, and I'm sure with the help of his director, is that it be done well. About a week and a half into it, now let's note this, about a week and a half into it, I found that the selfish motives for not taking the position were gone. So as we've seen in some earlier experiences, What God is giving Patrick is not only clarity, but also a certain transformation of heart. The selfish motivations, I want time for this and this and this for myself, those are waning, those are weakening, those are receding from the forefront. So again, you can see, as I've said earlier, at least one uh, very striking reason why God calls, in this case, um, Patrick to go through three weeks of discernment or whatever time may be involved in it, because not only is he giving clarity, but he's actually transforming us in a beautiful way. Okay, Uh, we're gone. And it seemed like the reasons for taking the position were more solid. Then the director, so you can see Patrick moving in a third mode discernment toward um, clarity that God is calling him to take the position in the diocese. Then the director gave me the passage about Bartimaeus. It was a passage I knew well, and I was sitting there reading it. When Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He answered, I want to see. That's what I wanted too. Then the last five words of the passage really hit me. I remember when Patrick was telling me this. Bartimaeus, quote, followed him on the way. I felt something of what Bartimaeus must have felt because I too had started to lose sight in one eye a few years earlier, and the eye healed. It seemed to me that the Lord was asking asking me to follow him too through the prison ministry. So you can see, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was amazingly clear what the Lord wanted. Can you see that whether it's first mode or second mode or third mode, through different passages, through different avenues, each arrives at the same point, uh, the clarity, all the clarity that the person needs. And, and you can see the strength of the language that Patrick uses here. 
uh, it was amazing. It hit me like a ton of bricks. It was amazingly clear. I spent three more days with the scripture seeking confirmation. That's exactly according to what Ignatius says. And that is once the choice is made and, and you have clarity, you bring it to the Lord for his further confirmation. I've been doing the prison ministry for four years now, and I'm still sure that the discernment was clear. We'll return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. Now, another question. What if a person does this? So this person has, is in a discernment, has not received clarity through first mode or second mode discernment, and now has undertaken and done well third mode discernment, and maybe feels, well, I have a feeling that God is leading in this direction, but I don't feel like I have all the clarity that I need. Then what does the person do? Well, then Ignatius invites the person to his final um, pathway, and that is a second way to do this kind of third mode discernment, where we look at a preponderance of reasons. Let's look at Ignatius' text, and uh, let's go through this. And I've summarized it. It's, I, I call this the, um, the method of the three tests, because what we do, what Ignatius invites us to do, presuming that we have uh, gone through and not received first and second mode discernment, have gone through the method of the four columns, and um, maybe have some sense, but feel as though there's a need for a further confirmation or further clarity, then Ignatius invites us to undergo these three tests. What would I say to someone else in my situation who I've never seen? What choice when I look back on my life from the point uh, when my life is ending, what choice then will I wish to have made? And then in the light of eternity, of God's judgment, what choice will I wish that I've made? So let's go through his text here. So the second way to make a sound and good choice contains four rules and a note. All right, so the first rule, this is the disposition. The first is that the love which moves me and causes me to choose this thing must descend from above from the love of God, so that the one who chooses should first of all feel in himself that the love, greater or lesser, that he has for the thing he chooses, so Brian Optometry, Patrick Prison Ministry, is solely for the sake of his Creator and Lord. 
So again, before proceeding to the concrete steps of the uh, discernment, as always, Ignatius invites us to renew, to pray for, to deepen in our heart, to become aware that the true disposition that we need is available. Just your, just God's love, that's all that's motivating me in this. All right, the first test. So this is a person I have never seen. All right, so this is to look at a person I have never seen or known. So I, I have no um, engagement in this, advantage or disadvantage personally in this. This is just someone who, this is not my brother or a cousin uh, or a friend. This is someone who I've never seen, someone I don't know. The, the goal of these three tests is to bring objectivity into the situation, to help me see objectively in the situation I'm facing by looking at it from outside my present situation. And in the first case, another person facing my present discernment. So to look at a person whom I have never seen or known and desiring all perfection for him, wanting him to choose what will most serve God's greater glory and his joy and closeness to God in this life and the next. Consider what I would tell him to do and choose for the greater glory of God, our Lord, and the greater perfection of his soul. And doing myself the same, follow the rule that I propose to the other. So if I were to encounter another person faced with the exact same decision, if I'm, Brian, uh, the choice between optometry and finance, and I wanted this person to love God and serve God as, as much as possible and grow as close to the Lord and serve God's greater glory as richly as possible and bring as many people to the Lord and so forth, what would I tell this person to choose? Okay, what I would tell this person to choose, let me now choose it myself. Then the next test, and this is uh, to look at this choice from the perspective of the moment when life will be ending. So I'm at the point of death, my life is ending, I'm looking back over my life, and what choice then, as I look back over my life, will I wish that I'd made now? So to consider as if I were at the point of death, what procedure and norm of action I would then wish to have followed in making the present choice and guiding myself by this, make my decision entirely in conformity with it. Um, these really help. Uh, these simple but profound tests that Ignatius proposes to see things more objectively. And then the third one is in the light of eternity. So um, this is Ignatius' fourth rule. Looking and considering how I will consider myself on the day of judgment, to think of what decision I would then wish to have made about the present matter, and to adopt now the rule I would then wish to have followed, so that I may find myself in full satisfaction and joy. Now let's note that when Ignatius speaks of this person in the, on the day of judgment or in the light of eternity, this is not a person poised between eternal salvation and eternal loss. This is a person who loves the Lord, who is engaged in a process of discernment, who only wants to do God's will and serve God's greater glory, and is, and is choosing between two good choices, and is just simply seeking light on which one will help him serve God's greater glory um, more than, than the other. And you see Ignatius say, so that I may then find myself in full satisfaction and joy. So from that perspective, as I look back on the choice that I'm faced now, which one will give me greater joy? 
that I chose, if I'm Brian, the optometry, or that I chose the finance. And Ignatius says, let me make that choice now. And then the final point is again to bring this choice to God for confirmation. Guided by the rules given above for my salvation and eternal peace, I will make my choice and my offering to God our Lord in accordance with the sixth point of the first way of making a choice, which is about the confirmation. So what Brian would do if he receives additional clarity or maybe uh, the clarity that he did not find earlier through one or several of these three tests, he would then bring this before the Lord and seek the Lord's confirmation in the way that we said earlier. Okay, in the way that we've been doing, let's now look at an example of the three tests and how this might look in practice. And this is Matthew. I married in my late 20s, and my wife Denise and I had three children. My career has been in human relations, and I have worked for several companies in this field. In my early 40s, I began to feel the call to be a deacon. My wife agreed, and when I was 47, I was ordained a permanent deacon. My bishop assigned me to a large parish where I served as deacon, preaching, doing baptisms, weddings, and burial services. In addition, because of my business background, I was asked to help with the parish school and the renovation of the church buildings. So this is a man who brings a lot of talent and um, goodwill and love to his diaconal service in the parish and is asked to do many valuable things. I loved all of this service, and as my children grew older, was able to give more time to it. The various projects went well, and the parish grew. But after 13 years of this service, together with my human relations job and the needs of my family, I found myself deeply tired. So this is the situation that Matthew is now facing. I remember one evening when I first began to wonder whether I could continue as a deacon in this parish or whether I might need a change. So an issue of discernment has now surfaced for Matthew. I spoke about this with my spiritual director. Perfect and he encouraged me to let the bishop know my situation. A few weeks later, I did speak with the bishop, and it was a good conversation. He knew about my situation. He told me that he was happy with my work in the parish, and that if I wanted to continue, that would be fine. But he also said that he saw my tiredness, and that he wanted me to discern what I thought I should do. He would honor whatever decision I would make. So the situation now that has now arisen is that Matthew has a discernment regarding whether uh, he should continue as deacon in this parish or uh, ask the bishop for a reassignment to another parish as deacon. And what the bishop does, the bishop could, because he has the authority, uh, simply make the decision. But um, in a very, uh, I'd say, wise way, uh, the bishop says, I understand your situation. I want you to discern. You tell me, and we'll do what you think best. So now the discernment lies in Matthew's hands. The bishop's response was encouraging, and I was willing to discern. Still, to discern about a position I'd had for so long was not easy for me. When I met with my spiritual director, he told me not to try to discern right away, that the issue was to become free enough to choose well. Again, excellent spiritual direction here. Matthew's been doing this for 13 years. It's been enormously fruitful, profound relationships with people. He loves the parish and the community. It's not easy for him to consider um, 
letting this go and moving elsewhere. And so wisely, the spiritual director says, take some time to pray with this, um, seeking the disposition that will permit good discernment. And uh, Matthew follows this directive. So I continued to pray and we continued to meet. About five weeks later, when we met, he thought I was free enough then to discern whether I should stay at the parish or ask for another assignment. He suggested that I continue to pray and that I try Ignatius's third mode of discernment. Now, what is unspoken here is that evidently the director sees that God has not given first nor given second mode discernment. And that being the case, he invites now Matthew to approach third mode discernment, the method of the four columns. A week later, I did try it. I sat in the church with a notebook and wrote down the advantages I could see in staying on in this parish and the disadvantages. I did the same with the possibility of taking another assignment from the bishop. When I considered everything, the fact that I had been in this parish for 13 years and had given pretty much what I could, the effort it was costing me now just to do the daily work of a deacon there, with all the tiredness that's accumulated, the real danger that if I tried to continue, I would get dangerously exhausted and have to stop anyway. The fact that things were in good shape and that there were others who could step in. So as he looks at all of these uh, considerations, my sense was that I could do more good by a change that would help me start again with new energy rather than dragging on in my work the way I was doing. It seemed to me that the greater good, God's greater glory, was to have someone else take over and that I get a fresh start in another assignment. So you can see a third mode discernment that is moving toward clarity in one direction. The new assignment will serve God's greater glory better than continuing in such tiredness in my existing assignment. As far as I could see, following St. Ignatius, this was saying that God's will was that I should ask the bishop for another assignment, but I still wasn't sure and I wasn't ready to act. Now, this is precisely the situation for which Ignatius gives us the three tests. When we have gone through the four columns, everything's been done well, and maybe there's a certain emerging clarity, but it's not final. The person still has some questions. Then Ignatius will invite the person to move to the three tests, and the spiritual director wisely does this. I shared all of this with my spiritual director, and he suggested that I now try the second way Ignatius gives. About three days later, I did that in the same chapel. When I took the first point, so this is the first test, another person I've never seen or known, where you think of another person facing the same decision and what you would say to that person, it really hit me. So this is going to become Matthew's point of final clarity. I knew immediately that I would never ask another person to continue in the same ministry with such deep exhaustion. Now, probably what's, what God is using here is the many years that Matthew has spent in human relations uh, in his business career, so that he's probably worked with many people who might be in similar situations, who are um, just finding things very difficult, stagnating, getting worn out, and who would get a whole new lease on life. Uh, and actually serve the company better with a change. And he's seen this and helped so many others that 
When now he considers another person in his own situation, it immediately becomes very clear. No, you'd never ask a person with this kind of tiredness and who's been this long in this situation simply to continue. But a change is going to be good for everyone. I don't think I ever went past this first consideration in the second way. So he never does look at at the point when life is ending and uh, in the light of eternity because this is so overwhelmingly clear. This was so clear that I felt I had my answer. Again, like first mode, second mode, third mode, four columns, the end point is the same. When I shared this a few days later with my spiritual director, he agreed that this seemed very clear. He thought the discernment process was now concluded, that there was nothing more that needed to be done, and it was time to speak with the bishop. A few days later, I did. The bishop agreed with the discernment and thought that the reasons sounded right. It was the final piece in the discernment. Within a few days, I started to feel real happiness, a deep peace about the discernment, a certainty that I was doing God's will. And very lovingly, although the discernment is already clear and in place, God pours out that additional confirmation of which Ignatius speaks, greater clarity, spiritual consolation, and, and so forth. This was the point I had always wanted to reach in the whole process. And this also really is a beautiful illustration of the fruit of discernment, why it's worth undertaking to learn about and undergo the process of discernment, because it leads to this point of peace and clarity. All right, questions to consider with regard to the third mode, and you have these in the handout. So, before I begin this discernment, have I researched well the options in this choice? Do I have all the relevant data without which we should not undertake third mode discernment? Do I know the relevant data so that my consideration of advantages and disadvantages will be solidly rooted in the real situation? Again, as I begin this discernment, am I truly in a tranquil time so that I'm able to use my natural powers freely and tranquilly? Am I really at peace or am I struggling with desolation or just... Um, for whatever reason, maybe there are issues of health that are dominant right now and making it hard just to sit peacefully and reflect. Um, whatever it is, am I truly in a tranquil time? If I'm not, then it's not yet time to begin the third mode discernment. If I am, then I can proceed. Again, as I begin, have I renewed my awareness of and desire for the end to which this choice is a means. Have I refreshed the foundation to respond with love to God's infinite love for me, to promote God's greater glory in human hearts and to progress toward the joy of eternal communion with God? Is that the guiding principle in my choice? Am I spiritually free, open to either option, like a balance at equilibrium, ready to choose whatever I will perceive to be for God's greater glory? Have I sought God's help in prayer before I begin, before I consider the advantages and disadvantages of either option? Have I carefully considered these? Have I listed them in writing? Are these faith-based reasons, that is, advantages and disadvantages from the perspective of God's greater glory? Do I see which option is favored by a preponderance of reasons? Do I see this clearly? If not, have I used the second way, the three tests, in this third mode? Have I shared this process with a spiritual guide, like Patrick, like Matthew? 
When I have chosen one option, have I brought this choice to God for confirmation? And have I received such confirmation? So that's just a kind of checklist to take a look at if we are uh, engaged in third mode discernment. So let's go back over our guiding outline. Uh, first, we clarified the various questions or choices. We looked at the foundation. We looked at the necessary disposition, the spiritual means that guide us toward that. We looked at the three modes of discernment, the ways in which God answers the question. And finally, and briefly, I'd like to conclude by looking at the fruit of discernment. We've said a, a, a fair amount about this throughout these reflections, but it's time now to look at this more directly. At one point in Francis's ministry, Francis of Assisi, he faced a fundamental discernment or choice between whether God was calling him to serve through a contemplative life, which he loved and at times experienced, or through an active ministry of traveling and preaching God's word. So this was really um, a turning point in his life and a fundamental choice. And what Francis does, the biographies tell us, wisely is to ask the advice of a number of wise people whose judgment he uh, esteems. And finally, uh, one of these is St. Clair. And word has finally been brought to him. She, she is the, the, the final input toward this and confirms for him that God is calling him to the wandering and preaching life, which in fact, as we see, he uh, engaged in and out of which the Franciscan community was born as we know it. And now in the biography, the author is describing this moment when the discernment is now clear and he knows where God is leading. Then the hand of the Lord came over St. Francis. As soon as he heard this answer and thereby knew the will of God, he rose to his feet all aflame with divine power. And he said to Brother Maceo with great fervor, so let us go in the name of the Lord. And this is what discernment does. When it's completed, our hearts are no longer torn, wondering, divided, but all of us, you know, is united. And it's said very beautifully here, all aflame with divine power, ready to go now, focused on the path that um, he knows now is where God is leading him. And with all of his undivided energy, he can pursue it and with enormous fruit, such as the fruit of discernment. This is a Carmelite monastery in a suburb of Boston. It's a pretty um, difficult area, actually. And in the midst of this, you have this monastery of these uh, Carmelite contemplative sisters. And when I was stationed in Boston, uh, I would go from time to time to celebrate mass there or give retreats. And uh, you can see the little gateway there. We walk through that up to the door, which a little bit slightly visible there, and you'd ring. And the sisters didn't answer themselves. They would have volunteers who would come and man the front desk, answer the phone or answer the front door. And uh, for a number of years while I was doing this, this was uh, a sister, Anne Carville, who was on the retiring end. And this was a service that she was able to render. And I had a number of conversations uh, with her, just brief conversations as she would admit me to the monastery or as I was leaving. And in one of them, I remember her saying this, and I never forgot it. I actually wrote her words down then. Uh, she's deceased now and with the Lord. Over the years, my prayer has simplified. I no longer ask for various things. I ask 
really for this one thing, to experience community of wills with God, to will all that he wants for me, for the church and for the world, is a beautiful simplification of a spiritual life and a life of prayer and relationship with God, beginning with many things, needs, wants, anxieties. At this point in her life, all of this has coalesced into one thing, simplified into one thing. All I want, and this is all I ask for, is communion of wills with God, which, as we said earlier, is what love is all about. This was a book written by Dom Bede Griffiths in 1954, The Golden String, and he recounts uh, his conversion story. He knew C.S. Lewis. He was part of that whole movement and eventually became a Benedictine monk. This is a very nice book. And the title of the book is taken from a, uh, a poetical fragment by a rather unlikely author, William Blake. But uh, Bede Griffiths chooses this because he finds there a metaphor for the, the pathway in which God leads him. And it's a beautiful metaphor for following God's will in our lives. I give you the end of a golden string. Only wind it into a ball, pursue it, follow it. It will lead you in at heaven's gate, built in Jerusalem's wall. Follow, desire, love, choose, discern well, and then in practice, live according to God's will. That's the golden string. Wind it into a ball through the stages of your life, and it will lead you to an eternity of joy. Finally, I'll conclude with this. This is one page from the spiritual journal of this wonderful woman, the servant of God, Elizabeth Lazar. And as a way to summarize what we've done, and then just a brief moment of prayer as we've done other times. If you know her, her story, she, she died in 1914, a French woman, had a wonderful marriage with uh, an atheistic husband, the one sorrow in her life as her own faith grew. And it was reading and pouring over uh, his wife's personal spiritual journal after she died that uh, brought him to faith in Christ and eventually to Dominican priesthood. But on this particular day, she describes, um, so September 10th, 1901, she's age 45 at this point. And the following takes place as she prays. And she is praying with this verse from Luke 12, verse 49. Jesus' words that I am come to cast fire on the earth, and what will I but that it be enkindled? And so I'll be silent now, and I invite us just to let her words enter our hearts as a final, oh, kind of capstone or summary of everything that we've said in these reflections.
that's what it means to live for God's greater glory. It's a beautiful way to live. And it's because we desire to live that way that discernment is important to us. And please, God, Ignatius has opened up a path for us that can bless us now and going forward in our lives when we face questions of discerning God's will. And finally, as I've said several times through these reflections in this single brief sentence from Dante, the fruit of discernment is summed up in his will is our peace. Just as I conclude here, references to pursue this further, if, uh, if you so desire, I did a series of podcasts on discerning the will of God with uh, Chris, and you can find these through Discerning Hearts, discerninghearts.com or the Discerning Hearts app. And uh, I also did a teaching of this uh, on uh, EWTN, and the DVD of that is available. And the series is, is titled Discerning the Will of God. You can find it through EWTN or through my website, which is given there. And then Chris, I think, held up this book earlier in these reflections. Um, this is about, uh, this is the book on which these reflections are based, Discerning the Will of God. So God's blessings, and may the fruit of discernment be given to all of us. Amen. You've been listening to the audio taken from the seminar on discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download other recordings from this seminar and so much more from Father Gallagher, visit discerninghearts.com or locate them within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this series of talks on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.